Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Penn State 365 podcast presented by Happy Valley Insider of the Rivals Network covering Penn State athletics. I'm Don Callan Gurley, beat writer and recruiting analyst over at uh, Happy Valley Insider. I'm joined by my co-host and colleague, Marty Leap, uh, as well here today. Anthony will join us later on. We do apologize for just being terribly uh, inconsistent in this podcast. We are going to be consistent this season. Uh, Admittedly, uh, we've all been pretty busy this summer, uh, which is uh, definitely hasn't helped us. But uh, as we had in the season, we're going to have these uh, by week, uh, well, twice a week, and we'll go from there. Um, Marty, how have you been since everybody last heard from you? Yeah, I've been pretty good. I mean, uh, I'm sure anyone out there who listens to the podcast and follows me on social media knows by now uh, my oldest son's Pony League team that I helped coach a little bit is headed to the Pony League World Series. So congratulations to them. This could have busted their butts to get there, and they deserve it. Um, but the pain in the butt part is the while well, the 14U Pony League World Series is played in Washington, Pennsylvania, so a solid, like, 90-minute drive for me. 13U, which we are, is in Modesto, California, so we won our tournament on Sunday. We fly to Modesto Thursday morning. It gave us three days to plan a trip to California. It's been hectic, but it's been awesome. So happy for those kids. It's obviously a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that uh, they deserve, and it's, 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 it's going to be a blast. So if you need something to do this weekend, check out the Pony League World Series on ESPN+. Plus. I know some games have been MLB Network as well, and uh, make sure you're rooting for Sherry's Bulldogs out of Johnstown, PA, as you're watching it. Absolutely. That is uh, awesome, and Surely going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience for uh, all those kids and something they'll, they'll never forget, something you'll never forget as well. Um, but let's uh, talk about Penn State football here a little bit. month of June obviously wrapped up uh, quite a while ago, and we're into the middle part of July now, dead period. Lash Bash is coming up in a, uh, believe it or not, next weekend already. Um, we, uh, By the time this goes up on Wednesday, we'll have an article up about uh, the 10 players we've already 10 prospects we have already confirmed to be coming for the last bash uh, on uh, the 29th so be sure to look out for that uh, but Marty Penn State's recruiting class it, you know it started I think we talked about this on our last episode it's been a I haven't listened to it uh, since we recorded, so I, I do forget exactly what we talked about, but that's okay. We can kind of recap a little bit here. Last month started really well for the Nenny Lions as things went on. The success did not come in the bunches it did at the beginning of the month, but Penn State still sent very well in the 2020, 2024 recruiting cycle. 22 commitments overall, eighth-ranked uh, uh, recruiting class in the country. They recently picked up commitments from DeAndre Cook and Malachi Williams over the last few weeks. And I have a few potential commitments here coming up in the next uh, couple days as well. Uh, But I guess what is your overall feelings about the class for Penn State now that we are out of June, in the middle of July, they added Malachi Williams, which was a big pickup for them on the defensive line. Uh, And DeAndre Cook was as well. Cook obviously not as highly rated as uh, some of the other prospects on their board. But still, somebody I think who could develop into a nice piece for Penn State down the road. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned with DeAndre Cook. I mean, he's a kid who I like a lot. The staff is high on him, which you know should should give you make you feel good because people can say what they want about James Franklin, his in-game coaching, whatever it might be. As long as he's been at Penn State, his staff has killed it. 
um, when it comes to identifying talent on the recruiting trail. Um, there, there's just been so many kids over the years they've gotten in on early who have just blown up, and you see offers flooding from everywhere or you know come to Penn State and have awesome careers. I mean, just on the defensive line, look at a guy like Robert Windsor, who, you know, late ad, low three-star guy, and winds up being an all-big ten defensive tackle. So when the staff gives a player their stamp of approval, that's big to me. I like Cook. I think he's a guy who could probably play earlier than people think in his career also. Um, and, and I will say with Cook, I think the, the fact that he plays alongside Dylan Stewart somewhat negatively impacts the way he's viewed as a recruit um, sure. because people are going to watch Stewart. He's not going to look as good as Stewart, which is not a knock on Cook at all. Stewart's just arguably the best player in the country. And even then, you know, people, other teams are going to build their offense to go away from Stewart. And yeah. on top of that, you know, you that's going to hurt Cook because it's like, hey, you know what, we can run on this side of the line better, whatever it might be. So I do think that's impact there, but I like Cook a lot. Um I think he can be a very good player for this team. And like I said, I, I think he's a guy who probably can contribute earlier in his career than people realize. Um, Malachi Williams, again, arguably, what, if not their top defensive end target this cycle, their second defensive end target, number sure. two behind um, Jalen uh, Harvey, excuse me, who we will get to here shortly. And I will apologize now for anything in this episode sounding scrambled because my brain is absolutely fried after the last few days and, my life has been a whirlwind, but um, yeah, you know, Williams is another guy who, I mean, I don't think Williams is in a position to play early like Cook is. I think he's going to need right. some time to refine that, that, the, the techniques. He's going to need some time to add to that frame, but he's got a frame that can really add a lot yep. of good weight to it. He's explosive. He's violent. Um, you know, when you watch his film, you can tell he's still very raw, but you can tell he likes to hit and that he's going to fire off the edge and I think Williams can be a really, really good pass rusher for this team, you know, two, three years down the road. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with both those uh, statements. Williams is definitely that higher ceiling kid that he's going to need time to come in here uh, in Happy Valley and develop as a pass rusher, work with Deion Barnes for a year or two, get that refined skill set. And then when you put him out there, the potential is pretty high. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about Williams. Definitely, though, has more development time ahead of him. Uh, DeAndre Cook is a very intriguing prospect as well. Uh, looking at Penn State's 2024 recruiting class as a whole, I mean, at 22 spots, we're only talking about probably uh, anywhere between, what, five to six more commit, four to six more commitments in this class, depending on how things break out for them. Um, I, I really like what they've done at wide receiver. Uh, it may not be the highest rated group in the country, but Denmark, Gonzalez, and Brown, that's a trio of wide receivers that is that has a lot of potential, a lot of speed in that group. You add in Luke Reynolds, one of the hottest names in the country at the tight end position. Penn State got a really nice group of pass catchers here, and even though they're still in the race for a few other guys, I'm not sure if they will land those guys, but if they don't, I think Penn State, if you're James Franklin, uh, Marquise Higgins, and uh, Ty Howe, you're pretty happy with that group of uh, pass catchers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you look at this receiver group, and I think what might excite you most as that the coaching staff a fan, whatever it might be, 
is the fact that they're so diverse. You know what I yeah. mean? Everybody does something different. You don't have a bunch of the same guys. Denmark is the kind of like that sure route runner. He's going to catch the ball. He's not overly explosive. In a lot of ways, Tyser Denmark's high school film reminds me of a less explosive Jahan Dotson. He's just smooth and does everything well. Josiah Brown is that explosive guy. Take the top off the defense. You know, I think a, a comp him probably to like a KJ Hamler type. Sure. Put him in a slot, get him the ball in the open field and let him work. And Peter Gonzalez just man, I I I am so high on Peter Gonzalez. Um I think he, he's another one similar to Denmark where he does everything so well. He high points the ball. He catches it with his hands. He doesn't let it come into his body. He's physical. He's a bigger body receiver, which is something that room lacks um, yeah. on campus right now. You know, it's 6'3", 200 pounds. And I think there's probably more speed and explosion to be had there as yeah. he continues to recover from the knee injury. Um, but, I mean, of the pass catchers, man, the cream of the crop has got to be Luke Reynolds. I, the kid... There might not be any recruit in the country who's had a bigger spring and exploded more than Reynolds has. Um, For sure. You know, I know some places have him as a top 100 recruit. Here at Rivals, we don't. We have him solidly as a four-star. Um, he's a hell of a player. And, you know, Penn State has put themselves in a position where running back and tight end are two positions that are going to recruit themselves. And they are two positions that are going to uh, just kind of take care of themselves. And Reynolds looks like he's just going to be the next in a long line of those uh, tight ends at Penn State. And this is kind of off topic, but I was just pulling up Reynolds' profile page real quick because um, I couldn't remember how. I, I, he's, five, he's a 5.8, which is a very high four-star. I couldn't remember yeah. how high off top But there, there was a future cast at one point for Reynolds to go to Army. And it's just, I think that just kind of epitomizes how much his recruitment has absolutely exploded the past few months. Yeah, absolutely. It's very few players like this. Maybe one or two a cycle uh, across the country see their stock rise this much like Reynolds has over the last few months. Uh, and if you're Penn State, it's another. Sorry, if you're a Penn State fan, it's another example of how well this coaching staff does at identifying talent quicker than most programs do. Uh, and I know a lot of people like to joke about, you know, Georgia always coming in and nabbing Penn State players. But uh, that also means Penn State is uh, identifying these elite talents before Georgia, who then thinks these are guys who can go out and help a two-time defending national champion add more national championships to their uh, trophy case. So I, I think it says a lot about Penn State's coaching staff as well. Uh, beyond those uh, pass catchers, I mean, it's a, it's a strong class from top to bottom. Uh, running back Quinton Martin and Corey Smith, there's not a better, I think, running back duo in the 2024 recruit class than those. Gronkmeyer has, is another guy like Reynolds who has jumped up rankings across the industry. Still a three-star here at Rivals, but a guy that we believe can be a four-star here sooner than later. The offensive line group may be the best of the James Franklin era. Cooper Cousins, Donovan Harbour, Garrett Sexton, Egan Boyer. Uh, just elite uh, offensive line class. Uh, a linebacker, Anthony Speck and Kari Jackson may not be the flashiest linebacker group. But both are very high high football IQ guys. Uh, and are guys you're going to be able to come in 
are going to be able to come in and you're going to be able to trust them in a year or two to help be a leader on the defensive side of the ball and lock down uh, that middle linebacker position for the Nittany Lions. The defensive line group we've talked about a little bit, and then that DB room. Penn State has arguably the best defensive back room in the country on the field this upcoming season, and that defensive back room is not getting any weaker with what they're bringing in this class with Kenneth Rosalie, John Mitchell, Belgrave Shorter, Dewan Lane, Vibu Torre, and then there's also, you know, Caleb Brewer, who we'll see where he ends up at the next level, but could play uh, just numerous positions. But any other position group that you really, really love, Marty, uh, for Penn State this class, this cycle so far? Yeah, I, I agree completely with the secondary. Again, to me, the secondary is similar to the receivers where everybody can do something different. Wosley projects as a really good nickel corner at the next level. Honestly, I think the only reason Wosley's not rated a little higher is because he is kind of pegged into that nickel corner position at the collegiate level. Um, John Mitchell and Antoine Belgrave-Shorter, especially Belgrave-Shorter, um, I think are criminally underrated by recruiting services across the board, us included. I think both of them can just be tremendous outside field corners, especially Mitchell. I think Mitchell can be that next lockdown guy after Kalen King. Um, and, and in the secondary, you know, or in the safety room, excuse me, Dewan Lane, and I will say, I, I don't remember where I heard it, but I did hear it is actually Dejon Lane. So get ready for us Dijon. to hear that name. Yeah, we're yeah. going to mess that one up. Everybody knows how bad I'm. Family, if you're listening, I apologize now for how many times we're going to get your name wrong the next four to five years. But um, he is just a physical dude. Like, reminds me of some Marcus Allen. Like, he wants to play in the box and pop people, but I think he probably projects he's a little bit of a better athlete and better coverage guy than Allen was. Um, and Vabu Torre is just a really good athlete back there. He can run around. He's another one, while he doesn't have the size and physicality of Lane, he's not afraid to come up and hit a running back and help and run support either. So this is a really good secondary class. And like I said, similar to the receivers, what I really like with the secondary class is that you've got a little bit of everything in it, um, which is important. That's more important, I think, that people realize, where you can recruit a bunch of talented guys at receiver in the secondary on the defensive line, but if they're all field corners, if they're all you know, box safeties or back-end safeties, if they're all X receivers, whatever it might be, that's going to create issues on your roster down the road. You want to have the diversity yes. in this position, which Penn State definitely has in this class. And, you know, the, the defensive line class, we'll get into it, obviously, with two potential additions this weekend. But I think this defensive line class has the potential to really, really be something great, especially considering it is Deion Barnes' first full cycle as a well, first cycle at all as defensive line coach. So, you know, if they can close out on some of these top remaining targets, even with a couple guys they've missed on, I think this D-line class could be really something special. That's a great way to segue into talking about those guys. So Penn State here still has a couple guys left on the board. And i got to be honest, outside of these three guys, it's the class is mostly going – after these three players decide – the class is mostly going to be wrapped up. There's a couple of stragglers here and there. There'll be somebody maybe late in the cycle that they identify and they go after, potentially as a late addition. But outside of that, these are the last group of guys here in the 2024 recruiting class that we're really going to talk about uh, for Penn State. Um, and those three are T.A. Cunningham, Liam Andrews, and Jalen Harvey. Let's start with 
Cunningham and Andrews. Andrews is set to make a decision. I believe it is Thursday morning at uh, what 11 a.m. Eastern yeah, time. I believe it's fr- Friday, Friday morning. 11 a.m. Eastern. Time. Friday, sorry. Yep, yeah, Friday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Penn State right now has 100% of the future cast in favor of. Uh, sorry, 100% of the future cast for Andrews are in favor of the Nittany Lions, including not just from the Happy Valley entire staff, but also from John McNamara of our Wisconsin side, one of the other finalists for Andrews. The other major program here is South Carolina, but everything right now, Marty, is pointing to to Andrews. Pick and Penn State uh, on Friday. We'll see if that does happen, but this will be a big recruiting win for the Nittany Lions. A recruitment that's been up and down. They were leading for him for a while. Then it seemed like he was trending more uh, towards the South, potentially South Carolina and other schools. There was even a little bit of uh, rumors last month that Andrews could be leaning towards South Carolina. But Penn State has, uh, it seems, reaffirmed their lead in this recruitment. And heading into Friday, they seem to be in the best spot to land the Brookline, Massachusetts uh, defensive lineman. We have him as offensive tackle here on Rivals. He will be playing defensive line at the next level. He will be a defensive tackle, 6'5", 270, big athletic kid. Uh, there's a lot of raw potential here uh, in Andrews, and this would be a huge recruiting win for uh, Dion Barnes. Yeah, I, I think this would be the biggest recruiting win yet for Dion Barnes as Penn State's defensive line coach. Um, Andrews is a kid who, as you know, I am extremely high on. Absolutely. Um, I think he can be an extremely disruptive defensive tackle at the collegiate level. Um, and he's, you know, this is, I've, I said this somewhere in some sort of writing. I don't remember what article it was. I apologize, or I'll tell you all to go read it. But I, I remember saying that when you get a defense or alignment in general, the caliber of Andrews in your region, especially. Um, when you're Penn State, where you just there's not a lot of guys like this in the region, you've got you've got to win that recruitment. You 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 have to find a way to win that recruitment, um, especially defensive linemen. And it seems like they're going to do it. Um, like you said, it, it wasn't an easy one. It's been a lot of up and down. Um, it, it's weird. It's one of the rare recruitments where a recruit going and taking visits probably helped the school that was leading. Um, it seems like when he took those other visits in the winter and in the early spring, it kind of reaffirmed him why Penn State was his leader. And he returned for the blue-white game, and Penn State has been viewed as a team to beat ever since. But, yeah, big, big-time big recruiting win for Deion Barnes if this does come to fruition on Friday or Friday morning. And then there's T.A. Cunningham, which I know there are going to be those people out there that look at how far he's fallen in the rankings and be disenfranchised, I guess, maybe the word. I don't know what the right word would be. But people, I think, are going to overlook if T.A. Cunningham does end up committed to Penn State, which I would right now say that the Nittany Lions are the favorites right now. If he does end up committed to Penn State, I think people are going to overlook this Cunningham as a player. There is still an absolute ton of potential in Cunningham. Mostly his fall has been due to the fact that he hasn't been able to get on the field the last year or so. 
And yes, when he's on the field, the production hasn't always been there. But in terms of pure potential, Cunningham has some of the most potential in this entire recruiting class. And if this, if he works out as a prospect and Penn State develops him into this, the into that player he could potentially be, it's going to be the steal of the class. If he doesn't, I, I think people are going to be like, well, they tried. But I just feel like this Cunningham commitment could be one of those that you, I'm sorry, if Cunningham does end up committed, he, uh, I think Penn State's favorite, but if he ends up committed to Penn State, he's scheduled to make a decision on the 22nd, so Saturday. Um if he doesn't have a minute, I just think it could be one that Penn State looks at, uh, Penn State fans and people around the country look at it and say, how did that guy get to Penn State? A guy who grew up in Georgia, moved to California, moved to Miami, and ends up at Penn State if they do, in fact, land him, which I, I do think they do at this moment. Uh, I just love the potential of Cunningham, and people are going to look at the rankings fall and not like that, and I get that, but I, I don't think you can argue with the potential that he, he will bring. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, if you're going to miss on the defensive line, you miss big, and T.A. Cunningham's big. He's fast. He's physical. That is the one thing you see on film, the film that is out there for him. Again, he didn't play much as a junior, and it wasn't totally his fault. He transferred to California. It was ruled. Uh, you know, they they made the decision out there, The whatever the board, whatever the California's version, the PIAA is, yeah. made the decision. That in their eyes, he transferred solely for NIL purposes, which is not permitted. So he was ineligible for five games, and so we'll see. But I think a big thing with Cunningham, too, is this fall he's going to play some really good competition in Miami Central. So if he puts together yep. strong this fall, that should alleviate a lot of the concerns of it. I mean, ultimately, you're getting a kid, if they land Cunningham on Saturday, you're getting a kid who's six foot six, 270 pounds or whatever it is, has really good length for defensive tackle. And the film that is out there, man, he plays violent and you know, if you're going to miss on the defensive line, again, you're going to miss big with guys who play violent. That That's what T.A. Cunningham is. It's it's worth the gamble. It, like it's, it's a it's a no-risk, potentially extremely high-reward kind of situation for Penn State. And part of it is sure. this defensive line class being big. If, if things don't work out with Cunningham, you still have at least, assuming you land Andrews, you still have at least three other defensive tackles in this class. It's not like you absolutely... Like, we've seen some years with Penn State where you only take one or two defensive tackles and you need the kid to pan out. That's not the position you're in here with Cunningham. I, I 100% agree with you. And these are the type of kids that you look at a Georgia or an Alabama. They take these type of prospects and they turn them into studs on the defensive line, and those studs help them win national championships. Not saying that if Cunningham comes to Penn State, you know, it's going to automatically resolve that. But these are the type of kids that Alabama and Georgia – turn into those type of pro, those type of players and uh, I think the sky's the limit for Cunningham it, it's not going to be easy for him to get to that potential but you can't argue with it like I said and we'll see what he des- ultimately decides on Saturday deciding between Penn State uh, Miami is the other major competitor here in his uh, upcoming decision uh, and we'll, we'll see what he ends up doing but right now the future cast do all point towards the Nittany Lions. Uh, any other 20, I guess we could mention Jalen Harvey quickly. This recruitment still goes on. I'll be honest, one of those recruitments that the longer it goes on, the, the worse you feel about Penn State's potential in 
the recruitment to land Harvey just because they've seemed so close to landing him so many times. But overall, until he commits elsewhere, I still feel like this is the Nittany Lions recruitment to lose. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, You know, the longer it drags on, the worse you feel. But, I mean, this is definitely, you know, I don't want to say too much not behind a paywall uh, and have Valley Insider. So make sure you come subscribe if you want some more details here. But it's definitely a – it's a it's a recruitment where the kid loves Penn State and it the kid would he just he loves Penn State. Let's put it at that. Jalen Harvey loves Penn State. There's a lot going on in this recruitment on a lot of different fronts. Um but yeah, I, I do think that the longer it drags on, the worse you feel if you're Penn State, but at the same time it's it's been a recruitment that's been up and down. It's been a recruitment where the Nittany Lions have been the consistent and have long been the leader. So I still think as of now, if I had to guess, I'd say Penn State lands Harvey. But sure. definitely not as confident as we once were. But I still think it's safe to say Penn State is usually the team to be. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. All right. Um, well, Lash Bash coming up in a, next weekend. We uh, will have more on that on uh, Happy Valley and sorry, uh, when this drops on uh, Wednesday. Let's shift focus kind of to the upcoming season because, believe it or not, Big Ten media days are just next week as well, which is a exciting time. Fall camp just around the corner, and then uh, before you know it, football season's here. Uh, you actually had a great article this uh, last week, Marty, comparing 2017 Penn State to this year's Penn State. Uh, I bet you just uh, quickly talk about what that article and just your thoughts on how this team compares to that team and uh, – who you think is what is in a better spot to make a either made a run or this year potentially make a run to the college football playoffs? Yeah, you know, I mentioned how it's unavoidable. We've already seen a ton of comparisons between 2017 and 2023, right? You're only going to continue to see them because there's a lot of parallels between these two teams and everything they return. Um, I did say, though, one of the differences is if you look at to me there's two big differences between 2017 and 2023 um in terms of pods i mean quarterback obviously you expect the world to drew a lar but until we see you don't truly know what you're going to get in 2017 you had one of the best if not the best quarterback in program history tracing sorely but to me the two big differences are this offensive line and the defense and i mean no one everyone listening knows what the offensive line was like in 2017 you you could argue that with a better offense with even an average offensive line that team goes to the playoff um but i would argue that that defense not having a true game record cost them a trip to the playoff as much as anything and this defense has that this defense has it at every level an elite defense is one that has a true all-star superstar all-american candidate at every level penn state's got that with chop robinson with abdul carter with kalen king and, I mean, this defensive line between Robinson and Deza Isaac and Denai Dennis Sutton could be one of the best pass rushing groups in the country. Um, again, you go back to 2017, that's just god-awful, just horrific fourth quarter in Columbus, that miserable 15 minutes, um, specifically the last 12 after that block punt. I feel confident in saying if that defense had an Abdul Carter, a Chop Robinson, a Denai Dennis Sutton, or an Adiza Isaac, JT Barrett's not sitting back there in a clean pocket just throwing one dart after another. Um, I think, personally, this team 
is better suited to make a run to the playoff than the 2017 team was, largely because the offensive line is so much better and the defense, not just that it's better, but that it's just loaded. It is loaded. It's got game records. It's got superstars at every level. So, yeah, go check it out. I went into a lot more detail than just that, comparing returning starts and talk some about the wide receiver room. But I, I think this 2023 team can be something super special. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's uh, to focus a little bit more to this this year's team. Um, what are some of the things you're looking forward to looking at or hearing more about this fall uh, or this camp for Penn State heading into next season? I think obviously the big one is just where Drew is in his progression as a quarterback. Is he showing the signs that you want to see him? Uh, the signs of him taking those next steps of being a Big Ten starting quarterback and somebody who's going to be able to stand up to the rigor of uh, a Big Ten schedule and what comes with that. Um, I'm going to be looking to see how that linebacker room is this year. It's a very good linebacker room, but I also think it's the weakness of the defense compared to the defensive line and the uh, defensive back room. Excuse me. Uh, I'll be looking for those. Offensive line, are they can they continue to take those steps forward? Uh, and then I think a wide receiver, you also of course have just who's going to emerge as that uh, true number one target. Is it going to be Dante Cephas like we all think it is? Is it going to be somebody else? And just how is that depth chart going to work out? Because uh, every other spot, you got to really feel good about Penn State, uh, but that wide receiver position offensively, definitely a huge question mark heading into the fall. Yeah, to me, it's interesting if you say you see linebacker as the weakness of the defense, because to me, I still think it's defensive tackle. Um, I just, I, I think with linebacker, now this is, you got to stay healthy. As long as you're healthy, with Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter and what the early returns are on Tony Rojas, I think you'll be okay. Um, but I, I agree completely on wide receiver. That's probably the biggest question mark on the entire team for me. Um, you know, you see Keandre Lambert-Smith, who just, I, he looks so ready to just finally put it all together and break through, but you got to see it. Dante Cephas is another guy that got high expectations for, but you got to see it at the FBS level. We've heard good things about Trey Wallace. Amari Evans had a good spring, but we got to see it in games, and I think that if there's one thing that could hold this offense back this year, it could be the receiver room. I don't think that'll happen, um, especially because, you know, in theory, Drew Allar is the kind of quarterback that should elevate your wide receivers as well. Um, and we know they're absolutely loaded at tight end. They can throw the balls, throw the ball to those tight ends if need be. But yeah, I, I agree with you completely on the wide receiver. And uh, as for the defense, like I said, I still think defensive tackle. If there's going to be a position that's going to hold this defense back, there's going to be the position on the defense that if it's voided, cost them a game. It's going to be defensive tackle. In my opinion. Yeah, I mean I, that's a good point. Uh, if you look at you know the individual positions uh, themselves. Defense tackle is definitely a weakness. How is it going to stand up against the likes of Ohio State and Michigan uh, or even Iowa, who's going to run the ball hard? Um, how is it going to stand up to those? It's, it's going to be a major question. If they can figure that out as the season goes on, uh, or you know, even better yet, heading into the season, I think they'll be uh, you know, in a great spot for success. Um uh, 
well, I guess for you, who do you think is going to be the X factor of that defensive tackle room? Uh, I, I know we're we're really not on a script here. A lot of this is just kind of off the cusp conversation for us right now. But who do you think is going to be that X factor for Penn State in on the defensive at defensive tackle? I mean, for me, I look at the roster and my name, my mind keeps coming back to Zane Durand as a potential game changer at or the X factor at that position. Uh, you know, he played a lot as a true freshman, which stands out at the defensive tackle position. I think he's going to have a chance to have a really big step forward here this fall for Penn State. Yeah, you know, Durant's a good one. I, I think Durant is can be a very explosive, very disruptive guy on the inside. To me, I as an X factor, I'm going to go Hakeem Beeman. Um, Beeman's been a kid we've heard so much about over the years. He's been off the field issues. Um, can he finally put it all together? Um, I think Kozai Izzard, I'm very confident in what you're going to get from him. To me, Beeman's that big X factor. Because if Beeman can take that step forward that we've seemingly been waiting on from Hakeem Beeman for two or three years now, I think that goes a long way of solidifying this defensive end room. Agreed. Any, any other major questions you have for this team heading to the fall? Or that major questions you want to see answered in fall camp for this team? I, I don't, which, like, I mean, like I said, there's some questions about receivers, some questions about defensive tackle. Um, obviously, you're going to have questions about Drew until he shows it, but it's like, man, receiver, I just think there's too much talent in that room for things not to work out. Yeah. You only need, like, two, three of those guys to step up. And I don't even know if it's, like, if Keandre Lambert-Smith continues to do what he did down the stretch last year, that's great. You don't need anything more from him. You need another receiver to step up with him in the tight ends. You're good. Um, you feel confident that Drew Allar is going to be put together because he's too talented not to. Yeah. And, and, like, as a Penn State fan, the fact I don't have a lot of questions really outside defensive tackle, like, scares me. You know, I feel like as a fan of any team, it's like, man, you look at the roster and you're like, there's not a lot of holes here. We should be really, really good. Those are the seasons that almost scare you sometimes because it's like, all right, this is – is this too good to be true? And even if it's not, those are the seasons where you suffer a heartbreaking loss and it's 10 times worse. You know, yeah. like when Penn State lost to Ohio State in 2017, I remember just sitting on my living room floor against the wall. And like my wife didn't even try and talk to me. She, she knew. She, she knew not to even try and engage me until I was ready. And like last year when they blew a fourth quarter lead against Ohio State, it was frustrating. It was kind of like whatever. You weren't. You, you already had a loss. You really weren't going anywhere. Like, these seasons like this, those losses can just be so much more difficult to stomach. And especially when you look around, you don't see a lot of holes on the roster. But, yeah, this is this is a really good team. I've said it before. I continue to say it. I think this is their best team since at least 2017. Potentially their best team since 1994. And I know that's really, really rare air here in Happy Valley to compare teams to that 94 team. They're probably one of the what? Three to five best teams in program history. But yeah. I think this team has that kind of ceiling. I really do. Uh, quickly before we go, Phil Steele, uh, his top position uh, position group rankings in the Big Ten and country. Uh, Penn State was ranked in every position group across the country in the Big Ten. He ranks the top, I believe, 65 at each position, uh, each program, uh, 65 top, you know, running back rooms, quarterback rooms, so forth. So forth. Uh, let's quickly go through this, just get our quick thoughts. Uh, Start at the top. This is the one that I was really surprised about. 
At quarterback, he ranks Penn State's quarterback room 7th best in the Big Ten right now, 54th best in the country. I, maybe it's just because, you know, we, we've seen Drew firsthand. We've we've been part of the hype machine around him. But 7th behind, uh, you know, Michigan and Ohio State, I, I, I get. But Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, I, I, I don't agree that Penn State's quarterback room is – uh, not better than those. I mean, you could say they're on par maybe with Wisconsin. I had to go look. Wisconsin does have a sneaky good quarterback room entering this year, but I would take Penn State's quarterback room over Iowa or Nebraska's entering this season. Yeah, I 100%. Absolutely 100%. <laughs> it's, uh, that's the only one I really did not agree with. Running back, they have Penn State as the third in the Big Ten, but also third in the country. You know, I think you could look at Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and really rank those three any way you want. Uh, but when you consider that those are the top three in the country, it, it's hard to disagree with that because I definitely think they're top three in the country. Uh, it you're going to nitpick the the order at that point there. Yeah, I agree. It's nitpicking. I mean. I... I, I I think I would comfortably put Penn State ahead of Ohio State there, honestly, just because in my opinion, I think Nick Singleton is the best running back in the country. Um, I, I can I can sit here all day and get on board with arguing for Corum and Edwards over Singleton and and Allen, um, but I, I would put Penn State second. But like you said, that's nitpicking. I, it's not a top three group. I do wonder if the three best running back rooms in the country all in the same conference. Absolutely. I do wonder if maybe he uh, uh, – sorry. If he with the Haas State, maybe, you know, because the Haas State not only has two good running backs, but they have three guys that they could probably put back there and they could start any given week and give you 100 yards on the ground a game. So I guess to a point I get that with the Haas State. Uh, But, yeah, it's a nitpick with the running backs. He's kind of high on Penn State's wide receiver room compared to the rest of the Big Ten, but – it's also fair to say that the Big Ten is pretty weak at wide receiver uh, across the board. Nanny Lions wide receiver room is ranked fourth in the country, fourth in the Big Ten, fifty fourth in the country by Phil Steele. Ohio State, Maryland, and Minnesota all ahead of the Nanny Lions. Uh, Minnesota hit the transfer portal hard at wide receiver. I think this is an indictment of where Penn State's recruiting was under. Um, Stubblefield and the development under Stubblefield, there's potential there, but it really does miss that high-end talent. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, obviously with this group, you're going to have Ohio State number one. That's the best wide receiver group in the country by a lot. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think there's a possibility we re- we review this in November and say it's the second best wide receiver group sure. in the conference behind the Buckeyes, without a doubt. I think that's very possible, potentially likely. But you've got to see them prove it first. Absolutely. Agreed. Uh, moving on and quickly, offensive line ranked third in, in the Big Ten behind Ohio State and Michigan. Can't argue with that. Michigan's the best offensive line in the country, without a doubt. Ohio State's is pretty solid as well. Uh, 14th in the country, though, that's pretty nice for Penn State considering where they've been in the past. Uh, and then quickly, I'll just uh, run through the next three since it's all the same. Defensive line, first in the Big Ten. Linebackers, first in the Big Ten. Defensive backs, first in the Big Ten and in the country for the defensive backs. Defensive line, 
number three in the country. Linebackers, number four in the country. Uh, and then special teams, third in the Big Ten, 20th in the country. Um, quickly, offensive line, what's your thoughts there? I, I think that's a pr- pretty good, maybe even higher than I would put Penn State's offensive line here in this season from a country perspective. Yeah, you know, that's higher than I would have guessed, too, and I'll take it because, I mean, man, this offensive line has just seemingly been so bad for so long and been what's held this team back for so long. And then last year they finally started to put it all together, and I'm really excited. I mean, as a guy who appreciates offensive line play, as a guy who played offensive line, as a guy who's helped coach offensive line, it, I, I love it. I just love to watch a group of guys that are mean and nasty and physical and want to come out and kick your ass and do nothing else. And I feel like for the first time in a very long time, Penn State has that on the offensive line. I can't wait to watch it this fall. And then uh, the defense. I mean, there's no, there's not a ton of shocks there. We've been saying Penn State has possibly the best defensive line in the Big Ten. Phil obviously agrees. And that's even with a weaker defensive tackle room. But the defensive ends are just that good. Um, linebackers, Abdul Carter leading the charge there helps. I know inside linebackers a little bit, or middle linebackers, I should say, is a little bit of a question for Penn State. But, again, having Abdul Carter, having uh, Curtis Jacobs really helps uh, Penn State there. And then defensive backs are definitely the best in the Big Ten, but to be the best in the country in the eyes of Phil Steele just tells you how great of a job Terry Smith and Anthony Poindexter have done there. Yeah, absolutely. I've said many a times that there might not be a more underrated or underappreciated position coach in the entire country than Terry Smith. Um, what he has done with that cornerback room, what he has done as a recruiter, it's just unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's awesome stuff. And I mean, Anthony Poindexter, I think Anthony Poindexter, everybody knows what you get in Anthony Poindexter. Yeah. He's a great positional coach, he's a fiery guy, he's a great recruiter. He's going to be a very successful head coach at the collegiate level one day sooner rather than later. So, yeah, it's, it's not a surprise to see that secondary be where it's at with coaches like Terry Smith and Anthony Poindexter back there. And Penn State ranked 1-1 one one at the DB visit in the DB room despite losing Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown. That says a lot about that, uh, about that coaching staff and uh, the players in that room. And special teams, I mean, 3-28 and 28 I think is pretty generous for Penn State. I think there's question marks both at kicker and at punter at the end of the season, but they definitely have uh, plenty of talented guys who can return punts and do damage in that, uh, punts and kicks and uh, do damage in those aspects. Yeah, the special teams are probably the biggest surprise to me here because um, you don't have any idea what the special team units are going to look like. Yeah. Jake Kendrick's gone, Barney Moore's gone. You know, who's going to return? kicks and punts we'll see i mean there's players there i mean obviously nick singleton last year was really good as a kick returner but do you want your potential all-american running back returning kicks and taking injury risk um you know it there's some talent in that room that brought in riley thompson's the punter who's a freshman all-american at florida atlantic you have alex paquetta who was one of the top punters in the country in high school you have sanders sahadak who has a massive leg of kicker but yeah that was the biggest surprise to me because there's just so many question marks running the special teams in the And ultimately, I think that's probably more of a testament to, A, teams who have as much depth and talent as Penn State are usually fine on special teams because you can throw a lot of really talented dudes out there. And B, probably just a testament to Stacy Collins' track record as a, as a special teams coordinator. 
I agree with you there as well. And any other things you want to talk about here, Mario, before we wrap this up? No, I don't. I, I don't think so. I think it was this was a good one. We for for our first show in a while, we uh, we covered some good stuff. Yeah, it felt uh, mostly smooth. There's a little bit of I needed to edit out there in the middle when I forgot a uh, Zane Duran's name for a solid uh, 15 seconds, but. Uh, those things happen. Uh, we are both a little bit mentally fried after uh, your busy week. I've been busy covering, you know, everything under the sun. Uh, but uh, college football is right around the corner. I mean, we are 40-some days away from Penn State's first game against West Virginia. Uh, and it's going to be here before we know it. And uh, I'm looking forward to football being back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's hit the time of year where – you know, you just you get excited for football. You have to have something for the channels on the Big Ten Network and rewatch 2014 Michigan and Rutgers for some. I have no idea why. I guess I just wanted to watch some football that bad. And let me tell you, that was not a good football game. Those are not good football teams. But uh, that that's the point of the summer where yeah. we're at. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. We're down to less than 40 days until week zero. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Penn State 365 Podcast. My name is Don Cowan Crowley. You can find me on Dylan uh, on Dylan uh, on Twitter at uh, Rivals Dylan CC. Marty, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at MSJ four one eight one seven. Until next time, everybody, have a good one. Enjoy your week, and potentially there's some good news on the way for Penn State here in the next couple of days. Uh, be sure to stick with us over at Happy Valley Inside for all the latest there and more. Until then, everybody, have a good one. Enjoy your weekend.